When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uplifting Impact Podcast. I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact, and I'm excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Today, I'm very excited to be talking with Trish Smith. Trish Smith was named Edelman's first global Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer in fall 2018. And in this expanded role, Smith oversees all diversity, equity, and inclusion, strategic planning, education, cultural development, external partnerships, and recruitment efforts to ensure Edelman's workforce reflects the increasingly diverse marketplace. As part of her work, she works with colleagues around the globe to actively strive to foster an equitable and inclusive workplace. Smith's continued work to drive change has been recognized widely. She has received several awards, including being featured as one of the top 100 most influential Blacks in corporate America and one of the most influential women in corporate America and Savoy Magazine. And in 2019, she received the inaugural Ad Week Ad Color Champions Award for diversity and inclusion. Smith earned a master's degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Maryland, College Park, and a bachelor's degree in communication from Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. Trish Smith, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Justin. Glad to be here with you today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. And the first question that we ask all of our guests is, what brings you joy? That's such a great question. Uh, There are many things. And I think over this last year and a half, going on two years now, many of us have begun to, to lean into those things more as we've all been challenged with navigating the pandemic. Uh, But there are many things that bring me joy. First and foremost, my family. I come from a huge family with many, many aunts and uncles and and brothers. And so my family is a constant source of joy for me, as well as friends. Also great music. I love, love music, love music, love to dance, all types of music. So I love a good beat. And, uh, you know, music is the universal language. So love music brings me joy. Uh, I would also say for me um, as well, my faith, my faith brings me peace and joy. uh, And so having time to meditate, to pray, um, those things bring me joy um, and really get joy through my relationship with the Lord. So those are some things that bring me joy day to day. Family, music, and faith, those things that bring you joy. How do you find them relating to this work in diversity, equity, inclusion? We have lots of listeners who see this as oftentimes very intimidating work. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. How do those different focuses of joy relate to diversity, equity, and inclusion for you? That's a great, great question. Um, Again, a second great question. I think in many ways, one for me in terms of family, 
being raised with such a large family, there is always a sense of community and connectedness. And that's really what inclusion and belonging is within the workplace. How are you intentionally working to build relationships, to connect with others so you can collaborate, so you can build together? So the aspect of going from a large family, growing up with you know younger brothers and, and having that, there's always this, this need to collaborate, to engage, to work together. And so that translates into the workplace and that you have to build with your colleagues. And that starts with building community, which then becomes, I guess, your work family. So um, that's one way. I would also say in terms of, of my faith, for me, it grounds the work that I do. It is that desire to want to help others, to serve others that is rooted in my faith, that has driven me partially to this work. Also, it's necessary with all that we're going through in this world, right? And all that you have to, to work to manage, to help others process and work through within the DEI space, uh, having my own relationship in terms of my faith with the Lord is critical. Um, and in terms of having that compass and that grounding force that that sort of anchors me in the work. So those are ways that my the things that bring me joy impact or show up in my work in the DEI space. And I love what you said about connection with family, but then also compass with faith. And that kind of brings me to this question about connection and compass in this large and exciting role that you have as global chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. I imagine there's lots of connection and lots of compassing that has to happen there. Can you could describe a little bit what that role entails? Yeah, there's a lot of that building connection and establishing relationships to be able to chart the course moving forward. Uh, there's a lot, you know, as mentioned, I'm the first to serve in this capacity and I really see it as an awesome challenge and a tremendous and incredible opportunity um, to be able to really help move from where we are as an organization, as an industry, to where we need to be, to better reflect the world in which we all live, work, and play for that matter. And so um, for me, it's been an amazing opportunity to really help our organization look at where we want to be, right? Often I have a a mentor who's now deceased who used to say, who do you want to be when you grow up, right? And we would say that to clients (laughs) and really want to establish that you can then build the roadmap to get there. And so uh, it's been quite interesting. I will tell you quite candidly that I would have never expected the world to evolve the way it has in the last few years since I took on the role. So Mm -hmm. when I took it on, I would have never, never guessed or expected the, the shift that we would see around the globe. And of course, we know what's happened over the last two years has been unprecedented in so many ways. So it really has been quite a a tremendous, uh, what is it, 19 months, or I don't even know what month we're in now. Right. Um, <laughs> We've had quite a decade this year. Yeah. Sure. But <laughs> even any organization who had a strategy prior to June 2020 had to blow it up or totally revamp it based upon uh, the world and the expectations of their employees, as well as their external stakeholders, whether that's consumers, grass tops, grassroots leaders, shareholders, you name it. So um, it's been been quite an interesting journey, one in which we continue to chart the course, pivot, adjust, reboot, you know, along the way. So you mentioned some of the complications about and also opportunities about unprecedented racial unrest and a global pandemic. What are some of the other opportunities and challenges that you've been through or anticipate moving forward that people in DEI should be looking at? 
Right. Um, sure. The, the work is not without challenge, for sure. And you mentioned, of course, the racial unrest and the global awakening where people are looking around them, where they live, work and play to really identify inequities and inequalities um, spurred by, of course, George Floyd's murder and other events. Many names we could share, right, in terms of events and uh, activities that have taken place. But there are other challenges that exist in addition to that. And, and so one challenge that uh, many organizations are looking at is where to start. If you're not engaged in the work, where do you begin, mm. right? It's even just taking that first step and really understanding what DEI means, right? We hear the term so often that they become almost sort of throwaways. So what does it really mean to your organization, regardless of your industry and sector? Uh, what does belonging mean? All of those things, really understanding so you can then begin to assess where you are to really create a strategy. So that's one challenge. And we've spoken, actually, I personally have spoken to countless CEOs over this last year, because in addition to leading our work, I also help to counsel some of our clients. And many of them are just saying, what do we do? Like, where where are we? Where do What do we do? Where do we start? And so I think that's a big challenge for many. And in the absence of having clear answers, many will even forego or stall their journey. Mm. They will put things off because they just don't know what to do. And they're so fearful of doing the wrong thing, mm. of saying the wrong thing, of making the wrong move, that it in fact paralyzes them. So just getting started, I think, is one thing. The other piece I would say that's a challenge is the need for continued education. I just mentioned that people, even what you define as diversity in the U.S., may vary when you look at APAC or that's mm -hmm. different when you look in LATAM. So even just the continued need to stay educated and abreast of trends, new developments, research, understanding of the nuanced needs depending upon the geography or the location, the need for continued education is a key piece that can serve as a challenge and opportunity, but it's ongoing. So it's the sustainability of the work that becomes part of the challenge. It's not a one and done. You mm -hmm. do one thing here or one silver bullet. There's no quick answer to how any organization becomes diverse, inclusive, and equitable. And it darn sure doesn't happen overnight, right? <laughs> so it's, those are some of the challenges, the continued need for education, the understanding of the difference in diversity, equity, and inclusion, depending upon where you are, what your organization is, what works for a large multinational company with hundreds of thousands of employees may look very different for a mid-sized organization, right, based in one central geography. And so those are some of the challenges I think that many organizations are encountering um, that, again, create great opportunities. And I, I love that you mentioned there kind of individualizing it to our organization, defining what will work here won't necessarily work there. Maybe we'll work over there, but not back here. And I guess that leads well to the next question. And you even mentioned sustainability. What are some ways to beyond finding really and spending lots of time thinking about what our organization is, what are some ways to be sustainable when thinking about improving DEI in the workplace? There are many, and you're right. It's not one size fits all, as mentioned. First and foremost, sustainability starts with really being truthful with yourself, mm. with yourself as an organization. And, and that internal look, that inside review and understanding your workforce composition, your company culture, you must know where you are, right, in order to know where you're going. So making that time to really have a real assessment 
And then understanding of where you stand, I think, is, is key to really developing sustainable practices that improve DEI. Um, I mentioned ongoing education, right? What type of ongoing training, learning tools are needed, whether it's unconscious bias, inclusive leadership, cross-cultural competency, there's a host of training, but it cannot be one mandatory training and everyone goes away and everything is, <laughs> is good to go, right? Hands, you know, wash your hands, game over. And so that continued need for education. Also accountability, which I think is probably one of the, the biggest drivers there in terms of being sustainable and maintaining ongoing progress is establishing measurement metrics for accountability, right? DEI may be someone's job within your organization in terms of a role or title like myself, but it's everyone's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a role and a hand in helping to ensure that the organization is diverse, inclusive, and equitable. And so it has to be a focus across all levels, departments, regions, it's not a standalone job for one particular division or unit. And so how you involve colleagues throughout the enterprise to drive your DEI vision and to truly meet, meet your goals, I think is another aspect of in, ter- in terms of how you maintain sustainability and you maintain progress along the way. Uh, and I would also say then building community. And I talked about this when I talked about what brings me joy and what drove me to the work, but really working to, as part of the accountability to build community, whether it's through affinity groups, resource groups, other means, open conversations, candid conversations, courageous conversations, difficult discussions, so that we are creating an ecosystem and a culture in which conversation is encouraged, right? Where people learning through learning about others is a priority so that we can create a system in terms of which people feel welcome, valued, appreciated, and heard. And even right there, you mentioned about building this community and how it correlates to accountability. How do you earn buy-in so that it's not a one and done? It's not something that's delegated and often relegated to people in DEI or people in HR. How do you get people who are reluctant or even resistant to kind of enthusiastically support this work? How do you make the argument that it's in their own interests? That's such a great question. And um, my answer is one that probably evolves and uh, <laughs> different on different days. But I think first and foremost, you have to help people understand the benefit of, right? And the drivers and triggers or levers for that may vary by person. For some, it may be a head matter. For others, it might be a heart, right? So one, we know that DEI is a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do in terms of being equitable in terms of, again, welcoming everyone in, but it's also a must do for business. And so it's, it is a business imperative, just as other business strategies that we set, DEI is front and center there. Uh, You know, we used to say, you know, there's green and going green in terms of sustainability. Well, Mm -hmm. there is business return in creating a diverse, equitable and inclusive workplace in which everyone can belong. So they, they're just not there surviving, but they're thriving. That leads to greater business results. Right. And so helping people understand the value, the benefit of this work and then enlisting them based upon what what pulls that lever for them. Then you then get their attention, equip them with tools. Oftentimes people may want to be involved, but they don't know what to do. Mm. And when I mentioned before about then doing nothing because they don't know what to do and are afraid. If you equip people with tools and a roadmap 
right? And then create an environment in which we recognize that we're all trying to learn and grow together. And we recognize, give each other grace, ourselves and others, (laughs) but hold each other accountable by that same token, then we can make progress. So I think that you have to appeal to people where they are in terms of the benefit. Um, And then you have to give them tools. Once you've done that, you have to put measurement and, and levers for accountability in place so that if by chance people choose not to then be involved or they miss the mark, that there is some mechanism to track that and to then loop back as needed. But um, it's no longer a choice. I often tell clients we've seen from our research at Edelman, right, that the work you do to foster a diverse and inclusive workplace is now one of the top things that organizations or that employees are looking for from their employer, right? And that customers are looking from, for from the brands that they purchase from. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an option, it's a must. And the, once you know that, then you determine how best to do it. And so you have to get people involved, have to appeal to where they are in terms of, is it a head or heart matter? Good thing, right thing, must do thing. And then give them the tools and the roadmap to get there. And you mentioned about accountability and kind of this loop process of reviewing. Like, what do you find are good practices for regularly reviewing and measuring progress on these short and long-term strategies? Because it's walking that fine line between accountability that spurs progress and growth and encourages people to improve but not veering off into making them afraid in ways that they shut down, which we maybe see in some organizations where they, you mentioned shutting down or seeing it as an imposition that inspires them to have backlash even more and resist even more. So how do you create like review and measuring that helps us progress and feel accountability, but in an inspiring and aspirational way, as opposed to a threatening way that might compromise progress? Sure. And again, this may look different for different organizations, yeah. right? Because of the, the company culture and, and what else you may have underway and where you are on your journey, right? The further along you are, the more measurement that's there, the more history you have uh, in terms of where you've been. But there are a few things. One, asking for individuals, employees to set their own DEI goals. What are your personal goals? Um, no matter who you are, where you are in the organization, we all, again, can do something. So even if it is as an individual employee, I'm going to commit to learning more about a community that I'm I'm unfamiliar with, right? I'm going to actively and intentionally learn more, whether that's a podcast, whether that's reading a book, whether that's visiting a museum, whatever that is, so that I can further my own knowledge, right, about someone else's culture. Um, so personal commitments that individuals can make. Two, are there goals that you can work in tandem with certain teams, divisions to set? That could be something like for recruiting purposes, we're going to agree to have diverse slates, at least two employees of, uh, or candidates of diverse backgrounds, whatever it is, but really working in partnership with leaders and individuals to say, what, where can we start? What's your on-ramp, as we talked about before? Mm-hmm. Where do you start from ground zero so we can build up? So I think as you do that, we've seen, even within our organization, asking individuals to make individual commitments is one, but two, looking at our data, looking at where we've been and where we're trying to go to say what makes sense for maybe a certain office or a certain team and so on. I will also say that we actually set a workforce goal in terms of gender diversity and leadership 
uh, a few years ago to reach gender parity, 50-50%. We've done that. We're now 53% in the U.S. Um, We also set a goal a few years ago to reach 30% people of color within our workforce. We were at 24% and we wanted to get to 30 by 2022. We reached that in September 2021. So we are a little bit early of that goal in terms of the deadline. However, we know there's more to do. And so I say that to say for us, when we set it, it really was an opportunity for us to set this, uh, give us a lighthouse that we could all work toward to put a stake in the ground. And we met that now looking at where we go further, knowing that that's not enough, that there's more to do. And so we're now looking at where we've been and then looking to go forward. So uh, setting goals looks different within each, each organization, but it's important to have the individual goal setting as well as the organizational corporate setting. And as people go on their own individual goal setting, our listeners out there and they move forward, how can they remain in contact with you so they can remain inspired with all the brilliant things that you've helped us with and help them provide that connection and compass? How can they keep in contact with you? I would love to stay in contact with folks. LinkedIn, um, Trish Smith, and that's Trish with a C. So T-R-I-S-C-H Smith on LinkedIn, IG on Instagram. It's Trish L. Smith, T-R-I-S-C-H-L Smith. Um, on Twitter, Facebook, all those other platforms, feel free to, to check me out, follow, uh, would love to have continued conversations as we continue to, again, evolve and, and grow as the world changes. So does this work. Mm-hmm. And so does the need to continue to learn from each other so that we can transform our organizations and the world, right? I believe that the work we're doing within organizations, whether it's a corporate or nonprofit or government agency will change society. We will help to evolve the world in which we live so that we're all a better place for it. So please check me out. We'd love to stay connected. And thank you, Justin, for the opportunity, for the time, and for the platform. Oh, and thank you so much, Trish, for providing us so much inspiration and so many ideas. And thank you, listeners out there for listening in. We're so glad that you were able to tune in to this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact Podcast. We need more people to help uplift the impact. In order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it, going to our website at upliftingimpact.com or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Uplifting Impact, Justin Ponder and Deanna Singh. Until next week, keep uplifting the impact. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.